this section on spiritual warfare, it's an important one for us to deal with. It's an important thing for us to come to understand as Christians because the fact is the Bible teaches that we are in a battle. We are at war whether we know it or not. Now, if you're in a, in a fight and you don't realize you're in a fight, you're in a mugging. <laughs> Somebody's going to be pounding on you until you figure out you're in a fight, and then at least you can hopefully learn to fight back. Um, that's the way a lot of people live their Christian lives, not even understanding that it's a war. And sometimes it's our fault because sometimes we communicate in a way that makes it sound like the Christian life is just really easy, that it happens almost automatically. We, we use terms like, oh, just let go and let God. And we talk about the Christian life as if it's a, you know, just a rose garden. It's so easy. It's so smooth. It's just so wonderful. And oh man, my life was such a battle. And then I came to Christ and then it was just so easy and so wonderful. And so when you find out it isn't, when you find out it's hard, that it hurts, that it's difficult, that it's a struggle, sometimes you feel like there must be something wrong with me. Because I look at other Christians and they're mostly acting like, oh no, it's just easy, it's so simple, it's so great. And I'm finding out, guy, every day I'm banging my head against a wall, I'm struggling, I'm, I'm wrestling, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a fight, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm living in the, you know, the UFC or something. And something, by the way, a great one coming up this week. <laughs> UFC 100, I should have put it in the bulletin. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I'm like, I'm getting knocked around like crazy. Is there something wrong with me? Am I doing it wrong? Because is it supposed to be just nice and smooth and wonderful, syrupy and sweet? And, you know, no, the Bible teaches very clearly you are in a battle. And it's really important that you come to understand that and realize this is a battle that you're going to fight whether you decide to fight it or not. But whether or not you stand or whether you fall is going to be determined by whether or not you choose to fight this battle the way that God calls us to, the way that he enables us to. And so here we learn clearly from what Paul says we're in a battle, and he lets us know who the enemy is. And he, over the next few weeks, will see how we are to be equipped for the battle and how the battle is really to be fought and how it's to be won. But let's look, uh, beginning with verse 10, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. Kind of a bleak description of the Christian life in some ways. I mean, he spent the whole book of Ephesians talking about grace and all that God has done for us and that we don't have to do anything to earn it. And, we, and it's sounding pretty easy. And now he goes, oh, by the way, 
You are in the middle of the battle of your life. You're in a fight. And if you do not choose to equip yourself to fight that battle, if you won't stand up and fight, you're going to get knocked down and you're going to lose. Now, we know that most of us, that life is a battle. But in general, we think of life being a battle as if it's because of these lousy people around us. Oh, yeah, I may be in a battle with my boss. I may be in a battle with my, you know, my spouse. I may be in a battle with my neighbors. I may be in a battle with, you know, the, some other country. I may be, you know, people who don't believe the way I do. I may be in a battle against Democrats or Republicans or Independents or Green Party. or Yeah, boy, you better believe it. It's a battle. But Paul says... First of all, get it out of your head that you're battling against people. It may feel that way sometimes. And yeah, you probably are banging heads with people. A lot of times that's how the battle manifests itself. But recognize this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our real battle is not against people at all. Our real battle is against a very real enemy that we have, and the Bible calls him Satan or the devil. And he has hordes of assistance because he used to be an angel, and he fell, he rebelled against God, and about a third of the angels fell with him. And these are these demonic forces, and they're very real. And already some of you are probably going, oh boy, this is weird, this sounds strange, I didn't... I knew this is why I don't come to church because it's all this weird demon stuff. And it's like, oh, come on, the guy in the red suit with the pitchfork, the, you know, the people with their heads spinning, spewing out pea soup. I'm not going to get into this. This is kooky haunted house kind of stuff. And don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, it's true, though. The Bible teaches that the devil is real. And if you choose not to believe that, he's just going to run you over and destroy you. The Bible teaches that there really are demonic forces that are at work in this world. And when you see what's happening in this world, how in the world could you ever deny it? How could you look at how this world operates and not recognize that somebody else is driving this stuff? People couldn't even dream up some of the evil things that are happening within the world. And Paul wants us to understand our battle is a spiritual battle. And it's a battle against these demonic forces. Now, I'm not going to go into great details. Verse 12 refers to principalities and powers. That is like, you know, leaders and people in different positions of authority. Rulers of darkness, of this worldly age. Spiritual armies of wickedness in heavenly places doesn't go into a lot of details, and therefore we're not going to sit and speculate on what all of those things are. I'm really not into studying Satan and his demons. The Bible states very clearly certain things about them, and yet never calls us to major on them or on evil. I really, evil is there, and I need to understand something about it in order to combat it. And yet at the same time, yeah, we, we see... There are these demonic forces, and they seem to organize themselves very well. It seems that they have a hierarchy of, with Satan being the most evil, and he's at the top, and there are these other 
probably more powerful demons and then less powerful demons. They, they organize themselves really well. And, you know, if, you, if you're a part of any organization, you understand that's how, that's how they work always. Pecking order. It's like, I'm a little stronger than you, so here I am. It, it's really a, it, it's not something that God has really wanted people to organize themselves in that way at all. It's a, it's a very... It's a very wrong way to organize things. The Bible says you want to be a leader, be a servant. You don't put yourself into a position of I am above you, I am over you. But demons are really good at that. But here you have it, that's the battle. The battle isn't against people. But those evil forces are really good at making us believe that our battle is against people. And since our power is, you know, you're in a fight, you only have so much strength that's available to you. See, and if you end up wasting your strength fighting in a direction that's different than what you really need to be fighting, if soldiers are fighting among themselves, then are they really going to be able to attack the enemy that they're called to attack? And so it's important for us to always remember where the battlefield really lies and who the enemy really is. Because sometimes... You wake up in the morning, and your spouse may look like a demonic force in your life. <laughs> Sometimes you come home, and it just feels that way. Yeah, I can sense the evil, and it's you. You know, or people at your work, or somebody who cuts you off on the road, or somebody that's suing you, or somebody, and they all look, they, they have these demonic faces about them, and it's like, there's the enemy I've seen. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about at all. That is all smoke and mirrors to conceal the real enemy. There are some sports teams that are notorious for beating themselves up in practice so much that when they, they have a game, they can't perform at their peak because they've injured each other in practice. Therefore, never achieve everything they could achieve. And a lot of times, that's the way we are as Christians. Because we don't understand who the real enemy is, we're spending our time beating each other up, hurting each other, wasting our energy. See, every ounce of energy that I spend fighting with a person is an ounce of energy that I don't have available to fight against my real enemy in the real battle. And so it's important for us to get this, understand this and get it straight. It's not fighting with people that this is about. It's fighting against these evil demonic forces. Now, Paul talks about to stand against the wiles of the devil there in verse 11. That word for wiles is actually the Greek word method. It's, it just means his MO. It's understanding his strategy. The devil is, is good at what he does. And I would never want to sell him short or be, you know, pretend like he can't do things that he can really do. But I also don't want to exaggerate his power. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. You don't have a reason to, to be afraid that somehow he's going to defeat you because God is greater than he is. But he does have a methodology. He does have an MO. And he's very, very predictable in how he works. And when you see what the devil does, you'll understand he keeps doing the same stuff over and over again. He continues to attack with the same kind of weapons. And 
That's a smart thing to do. If you're a football team and you run the ball up the middle and you gain five yards, what are you going to do the next play? Run it up the middle again. As long as you can gain five yards with a cloud of dust, you're going to keep doing that until the defense stops it. And the truth is, the devil has really only had one weapon at his disposal, and he's always used it, and it's been very effective, and it continues to be effective. Therefore, at least we begin to understand, okay, I know who the enemy is, and I kind of understand his wiles. I understand his methodology. I know what he does. Now, let me make it really simple. The devil has one way of attacking, and that is through the lie. The devil is a good liar. And the only thing that he does is lie. He, <clears throat> if he was allowed to do more things, he would. But God has put him on a, on a short string. He, he is in charge of this world because God put Adam in charge of the world and Adam by giving into the devil's temptation, ended up giving him. And so right now, and until Jesus comes back and returns and takes the world over again and establishes his kingdom, the devil is a ruler of this worldly system. But the devil, by his very nature, in the same way that God's nature is that he is loving and truthful, by the devil's nature, he is hateful and he's a liar. And from the beginning, that's what he did. He was stupid enough to believe the lie that he could be better than God. Then he goes to the Garden of Eden, and what did he do? He lies to Eve. And he got her to believe the lie. He's, see, Adam and Eve were put in a great situation. They're in a garden, all these trees, every, and imagine having only one rule. Just stay away from that one tree. Everything else you can do. Imagine when you were a kid, if there was only one rule that you had to follow. Of course, you know what you would have done. You would have broken that rule, just like Adam and Eve did. But Satan came along, and, and he didn't just, you know, he didn't like show up on the scene and look all evil and try to get Eve to, you know, hey, why don't you just, you know, start a rock band and do you? It's like, no. He, he sidles up alongside her, and he's like, so, you know, God, God said, are you sure God said that? Are you sure he's telling the truth? What? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe that tree is the best tree in the garden. Maybe, you know why they call it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because if you eat it, you'll know good and evil. I, I think God might want you to stay down on the farm and not become like him boy, you could get really smart if you ate from, I'm just saying, I'm just, but you know, whatever, maybe not, but, and see, Satan knows, Satan is the ultimate student of human psychology. He knows how we tick, he studies people. He's roaming around like a lion looking to see who he can devour. And while he does that, he watches us, he knows what makes us tick, he knows how we think, and so even at that stage, he worked Eve over and tricked Adam as well by lying to them and getting them to do that which God had told them not to do, that which would ultimately destroy them. And you know what? He hasn't changed his methodology. He continues to lie. 
Now, if you look at the worldly system today, you notice right away how dominating lying is and, and how susceptible we are to being gullible to believing lies. Well, that's the system that's in place because of sin, because of the devil. And that's what he's trying to do to you. And your battle, my battle, the, the real struggle that we are in is, will you believe the truth or will you believe lies? And the lies are kind of obvious most of the time. And yet, you still have to choose. What are you going to believe? And how are you going to prepare yourself? And as we study through the armor of God, as he says to put it on, we're going to realize, well, it starts with truth. It starts with going, do you want to live your life according to the truth? Or do you want to continue to believe a lie? Believing lies is a very comfortable thing. Feels real warm and fuzzy. Because most lies are made to make you feel better. That's how it all starts. Most fantasies are there to, to cause you to believe something that's going to alleviate the tension that you have in your life. And so you believe what you want to believe at first. But then it becomes this evil destructive force in your life whereby the enemy tears away at everything that God has made you and everything that he has done for you. And next thing you know, you're doing totally stupid things because you've chosen to believe lies instead of truth. And that's how the system works. That's how it sucks us in. And you can stand off and look at it and go, this is really sensible. Now, sometimes it's easier to see it when you see it on a huge level. So let's talk about the situation that our world is in today. Let's talk about the economy. How'd we get here? How did this happen? Everyone, everyone that I know of will agree as to exactly how we got in an economic mess. People spent money that they didn't have. They borrowed money that they shouldn't have, more than they should have, to buy things they didn't really need, to, 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 and got themselves in such a precarious situation that the whole house of cards kind of has started to fall and to crumble. And it's really, I mean, in a lot of ways, we can talk about, oh, you know, Bernie Madoff, now he's in prison for 400 years or whatever, and, and he was running this this pyramid scheme. He was running this, what's called a Ponzi scam, where you know you, you take other people's money and you pile it up and you give it to some other people and you pretend like you're getting richer and everybody believes it and then all until they figure it out. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, that's our economy. I mean, that's how it works, all on deception. Imagine what your life would be if you learned the lesson of this and you thought, I should have just lived a simpler life. I should have stuck with the house I had 20 years ago. It was fine. But I thought, because I could afford one that was greater, I decided to get a bigger house, a better house. And I kept doing that. It seemed like a good idea. It was, everything was going up in value. And then there was, you know, it's just money that's sitting there being wasted when you have equity in your house. So pull that money out and spend it and buy some things and do some... 
we all realize there's a real obvious lesson here. How about living within your means? How about just not spending money that you don't have? I mean, how hard is it to grasp that? And yet, so many people believe the lie, and many of us get sucked into that, and now when the truth comes in, it's like, oh, no, we're in trouble. What are we going to do? But as you'd expect, the boss of the worldly system has a perfect solution. Do you hear anybody out there really or very many people out there saying, you know what? What you need to do now is scale back a little bit. Decrease your expectations. Don't, don't feel like you always have to be trying to keep up with everything. No, almost no one is saying that. Because we realize maybe we can get the pyramid scheme going again. Maybe we can breathe life into this thing and make it happen. And so we have a, a governmental system who's trying to fix this by spending money that we don't have to make people spend more money. They're not telling you to start saving your money. When they see that you're saving your money, they're freaking out about it. No, 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 you need to spend your money. You know, you need, to, you need to buy, 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 and don't worry. And you go, how can I buy? I, I don't have any money. We'll loan you money. Well, where am I going to borrow the money? The banks are all broke. Oh, no, they aren't. We've given them a bunch of money, and we're going to give them a lot more money. And, but where are you going to get the money? Oh, don't you worry about that. You know, we'll take care of that. We'll print more money. We'll borrow money from your grandkids, and we'll get this. We, we've got Bernie Madoff running our running our world, running the economy, and we're like, oh, I want to believe this. I hope everyone else believes this. It's fallen apart. And every one of us can look at it and go, this is so stupid. But we all want to believe lies. And so we continue to allow an evil system to propagate itself. We participate along with it, and we can all see it. We don't know what to do about it. Because you choose between choices whereby it, it's not like, and I'm not bagging on the, you know, the Democrats that are in control right now you know, who are doing this, for sure. The Republicans were doing it too. And it wouldn't have mattered really too much who wins the election unless I won, and that ain't going to happen. But <laughs> everybody knows what we need to do is keep the pyramid scheme going. And so... Anyone who's in a position of authority at all, that's what they're trying to do. And the world is buying into it. We don't have to believe lies, but we want to believe them because we just want it to go back to when we were comfortable. Now, that's how the devil works, frankly, with those kind of lies. Now you go, you know, you've lost me. I don't want to hear all this politics stuff and economy and what. Okay, let's scale it back a little bit now. Let's take a micro view a little bit at your own life. What are you doing in your relationships? What are you doing to make, for instance, if you're married, what are you doing to make your marriage better? Or are you spending a lot of the time that you have together fighting over stupid things and then thinking somehow that it's going to get better someday magically in some way? Or do you like hate each other all year, but you know, don't worry, the couple's retreat's coming and usually that saves our marriage for another, you know, puts us back on a scale where I could kind of, what are you thinking? I mean, do you really believe that 
that someday you're going to have a fight with your spouse that's going to fix anything? That, you know, you really think, if I win this fight, our marriage is going to be better. It's never going to get better that way. That's not how it works. Logically, that's so crazy. But, but the devil is going, yeah, you're right, and you need to prove that you're right. And the truth is, a really good idea is for you to, after you have a fight, pout. And then, <laughs> and then shut yourself off and, and don't even talk to each other for a while. And I bet that'll teach him a lesson. I bet that'll change her. I bet that's going to make... And we're like, where do we get these ideas? There isn't anybody I know of, I, and I, I do a lot of weddings, and I've never seen a couple who, as they're coming together, they're all dressed up nice and putting their lives together, and they're going, yeah, here's our plan. I mean, we really love each other right now, but as soon as we get a chance, we're going to start really ripping each other to shreds and, and tearing each other down. And ultimately, when our life completely uh, comes crumbling apart, We'll, we'll hurt each other so much, and then we'll find ways to inflict even more damage. We'll, we'll probably cheat on each other a little bit, you know, because, well, you know, I mean, I, th I think he's doing it, so I'm going to do it. Well, now she did it, so I'm going to do it, and we're going to... And, and then we'll probably try to find somebody else, because it would be a shame to only ruin two people's lives. So we'll probably have a bunch of kids so we can mess their lives up, too. And then maybe make extended relationships and go into multiple. You know, nobody plans to do that. And yet, have you noticed that pattern developing in our world? That this is what happens when two people get together because they love each other so much? That this is what happens? Where do they come up with these ideas? How in the world does this work? Well, the truth is, the devil is behind all of it. It's not because of people, it's because of him and his minions. And they know how to lie, and somehow I know that you think at the time that you're doing something that makes sense when really what you're doing is hurting the person that you love. That, that you rip on each other, that you insult each other, that you put each other down, and, and somehow at the time it feels like this is going to make our relationship better. Why in the world would anyone believe something like that? Because we're stupid. Because we're so gullible. Because we will believe the most ridiculous lies if they're put to us in just the right way. I mean, the Word of God gives us so much truth and, and tells us how we can get along with each other and tells us what's important and what isn't and what's valuable and what isn't and how we can live our lives. And if we would do things His way, We'd be so blessed, but instead we're losing this battle because we believe the lies. And, you know, people start lying to you early, and you don't see the devil behind it. There are some of you who are living enslaved to lies that you were told many, many years ago, 30, 40 years ago. And it's so simple. If somebody wants to destroy you, to tell you, you know, you're worthless. You'll never accomplish a thing. You're never going to be successful. You're never going to amount to anything. And the devil throws that lie out there, and he uses people to do it. So how does it affect you? 
one of two ways. If you're told that you're never going to amount to anything, you will either say, I am going to prove them right, and you spend your life trying to prove that you're something. And you have this insecurity and you hide it by overachieving and by buying more than you should and by showing off and flashing around that which you have. And it's like somehow you're going to prove it. So instead of proving that, no, I really do have worth, you're proving that I'm going to let somebody dictate the direction of my entire life and try to achieve something, and when I finally get to the top, I realize I'm at the bottom. My ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. How did this happen? Because somewhere along the line, somebody lied to me, and I fought against it, and they ended up defining who I am. Or the other option is, and many of you take this option, uh, they're probably right. I I guess I'm not going to amount to anything. So then you don't take risks, you don't take chances, you don't dream dreams, you don't think and plan for the future. No, it's like, well, you know, they told me I'm worthless, so I guess I'm worthless. Listen, Satan is lying. How about finding out what you believe from what God says instead of listening to the lies of the enemy that are designed to destroy us, that are designed designed to rip us off and to tear us apart? No. I know people whose lives are just a complete mess just because of lies. Just because of lies they decided at some point that they ought to believe. When the truth is out there, the truth is here, the truth God has for us is so much better than the lies. But there is a devil. And the reason that we're destroying ourselves is because we've been believing his lies. And Paul says, You better stop fighting flesh and blood, and you better get down to where the real battle is. Now, yeah, a lot of times it feels like you're battling flesh and blood because there are people in this world who are just evil. They're so dominated by the influence of the enemy that you can't believe a word they say. They lie constantly, and it drives you crazy because they're good at it. But realize, no, that is not your battle. You don't go and battle liars There's one, the father of lies. He's the one you need to worry about. And you need to keep your head around the truth. You need to stay focused on what's real and arm yourself for the battle and realize that for the rest of your life, you're going to be in a fight. And that fight is going to be against this invasion of lies that are going to be bombarding you all the time. You know, Uh, from the media, from people that you know, from memories that you have, from within yourself as, as Satan whispers these things and you start to believe them, Paul goes, you need to be strong. Now, the bad news is, yeah, we're in a battle. And it hurts, and it's difficult, and it's not gonna let up until we see Jesus, until he brings us to himself. So Yeah, that's life. Sorry, I'd love to tell you it's not that way, but it's that way. But the good news is, this is a battle you can win. This is a battle in which we can be standing. We can take a stand for what's right, and we can hang on to the Lord and what he wants to do in our lives. We can clothe ourselves and prepare ourselves for the battle. And because of the greatness of the enemy, I'm not going to let that cause me to say, 
I guess we lose. I guess this is just the way it is. Hey, no way. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, he's not telling you to just remember that he's strong. He's not even saying, don't worry. I'll take care of all of it. No, he's going, you got a battle. You need to understand who you're battling against. You need to understand that the essence of that battle is to believe the truth instead of the lies. But God says, I'll give you the strength. My power, my might is at your disposal, and you can stand. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, that's where we are, and having done all to stand. The bad news, you're in a war. And I don't care if you don't like being in a war. I don't care if you're the most peace-loving person in this world. For you to go run and hide in a corner, go roll up into a fetal position, that's not going to stop the enemy from coming after you. He's coming after you. He is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you. And he won't feel sorry for you because you're whimpering. He won't feel sorry for you because you're like laying down. There is no tapping out with him. He's going to keep beating on you regardless. This is real life. He wants to destroy you. He's intent on destroying you. That's the facts. To deny that is to make yourself a victim for the rest of your life. It's to make yourself a sucker for every lie that he wants to throw at you. However... To understand that means he says, I've got something for you. I have power and might that you don't know about. God says, I know how to deal with principalities and powers. All authority, Jesus said, has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he says, that power is for you. That is something that I want to give you, and you will fight this battle and you will win, and you will stand. You'll not only withstand, you'll not only survive, but in the evil day, you're gonna, after everything is said and done, you're still going to be standing because you've taken on my strength. But it's not going to be easy. In some days, it's not going to be pretty. And there are going to be a lot of battles that you might lose, but you're going to win the war because of what, Jesus Christ has done already accomplished on the cross and now he is the way and the truth and the life. He's come to set us free. He says the truth will set you free. He wants to give us the victory. He promises that he'll do it. But there is something that we have to do. We need to do it his way. We need to live life his way. We need to take on the whole armor of God, every bit of it. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking through the, what he says about the armor of God, and he's going to be equipping us to fight this battle. I'm not calling you to join the battle. You're in it. You are in it whether you realize it or not. And you've been thinking that people are your problem. People are not your problem. The devil is your problem. 
the powers of wickedness and evil, the lies of the enemy, that's what has been trying to destroy you. They'll use people to do it. Trouble is, he'll use you when he lies to you. He'll use you to destroy people that you love. You're in the battle. You don't have to lose. You can stand. When you get knocked down, you can stand up again. You can keep that armor on. You can prepare yourself. You can be the men and the women that God wants you to be. And we'll win this thing. He's not going to lose. He's going to win it in the end. And he wants us to play along with him. He wants us to be a part of this victory. He wants to win it through us to give us the strength to stand. That when it doesn't matter who else out there wants to believe lies, it doesn't matter who else out there wants to live their life foolishly, self-destructively, he says, you take on this armor and you're going to be left standing when everyone around you who believes the lies have fallen. You'll still be there. Because my strength and my might is at your disposal. And you use it, you use it the way I tell you to, you're going to win. That's the promise of God. That's the glorious truth. And so, again, as we go through these next few verses, I pray that God's going to give each of us a vision for how we can begin to more and more win this war. How we can start winning battles one day at a time. How we can see the power of God working in our lives. We've been knocked around for too long. We've been ripped off by lies for too long. We, that's not how he wants us to live. The truth will set us free if we allow it to, if we are obedient to him and take on the armor of God. Sound good? Let's do this. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this promise. Frankly, we're not crazy about being in a battle. We don't have it within us. But you can put it within us to win. If we're going to be in a battle, we don't want to be losers. And you haven't called us to be losers. So Lord, help us to to learn from you how to put on the armor and take the victory that is ours because of your strength and your might. We've been so brainwashed by the lies of the enemy that sometimes we don't even know which way is up. And it's obvious the way we're hurting ourselves, the way we're hurting each other, that there's something we don't get. But Lord, we want your spirit to work in our lives. And we want to be victorious at the end of the evil day. So Lord, help us. For all of us who have walked with you for a while, we've all had victorious days. We've all had days when we had it just handed to us and we were embarrassed and humiliated by our defeats. Lord, help us to grow discovering how we can be prepared and equipped so that we can have way more of those victorious days than those humiliating days of defeat. 
We want to grow in our effectiveness as soldiers of the cross. So help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.